0: This episode of Where To Begin With will feature heavy spoilers of the movie The Killing from 1956. If you have never seen this movie before and you want to take part in this series by submitting an e-review, then please hit stop right now, go away, check out the movie, come back with your review and listen to the episode as well. If, however, you've seen the movie before or you really just don't care about spoilers, then just keep listening on. Don't say you weren't warned. Give or take a few thousand. I figure the loot on this deal at two million. There should be that much in the track offices. dollar sign there where most women have a heart. So play it smart. Stay in character and you'll have money. Plenty of it. George will have it. He'll blow it all on you. Johnny, I'm no good for anybody else. I'm not pretty and I'm not very smart, so please don't leave me alone anymore. What makes you think or know that you're going to have several hundred thousand dollars? Because I do. I
1: just can't talk about it, that's all.
0: Not even to me, your little sheriff.
1: I shouldn't have even mentioned I was going to have it. It's not that I'm lying. I know I can trust you. But if these other guys ever...
0: These other guys? I can't talk about it, cherry. You've been talking. Now you spilled to her. Oh, I didn't honest? What, do you think I'm crazy? I wouldn't jerk, you clown! Come on, clown, sing us a chorus from Pagliaggi. Where's the jerk? Where's George? Uh, George, Welcome back to another episode of where to begin with podcast this is season number three episode number four we are on this Season 3 looking at film noir and neo-noir through 10 movies that I've selected for you to get your interest piqued. if you've never seen them before. Maybe reacquaint you with some films you've not seen in a long time, but also give you the stepping stones through my choices to further explore beyond this series and hopefully inspire you to become a lover of sub subgenre which continues its relevance, what, a hundred years on from when the, the, the stories, the books were being written that originally inspired the movies. So, yeah, welcome. It is great to have you guys back. Now, this episode is pretty much out on time, which I am immensely proud of myself, one, for making sure that that happened, and two... Because I kind of want to get us back on track, I have been really looking forward to this episode. In episode number four, we're looking at the debut feature-length movie by auteur filmmaker Stanley Kubrick, who a lot of people don't know started off his career right here doing a film noir movie, The Killing, from nineteen. 19- 56 now at this point he'd already done some short movies Uh, Kubrick's career as a whole is one of those things where he's transcended the the realm of director to that elite position where we now have descriptive words in the the film review lexicon based on his surname when we think about things like lynchian or cronenbergian it's difficult to not acknowledge that Kubrickian is a term that is now willfully used um, in film reviews, specifically to talk about compositional shots. And a lot of that comes from, one, the fact that Stanley Kubrick himself was a keen photographer, but two, and once again, unless you've done a bit of a deep dive on the filmmaker as a whole, um, comes from his obsession with chess uh, this guy was a kind of chess genius and as a result that that keen intellect that mind that that kind of forethought and planning five six seven eight nine ten moves ahead of himself transferred effortlessly into the world of filmmaking also made him pretty much unbearable to a lot of actors and actresses who came across him uh, he's a guy who has a litany of, of stories about how difficult he was to work with but then you could argue the greatest visionaries, the best artists and the the most influential filmmakers are never really hoisted on the shoulders of, of all the actors, actresses and um, other people on set that they've worked with, they tend to be people that can have a singular vision, and that is a painful thing to collaborate with, if you to yourself are someone of a fairly artistic disposition. It's just the way things are. Now, the reason I chose the killing as our fourth movie was one to jump back in time again. Uh, some what well, at this point we're jumping back about sixty years from brick which was our previous movie we will be getting to your reviews of that movie at the end of the episode but the reason i jump back here is criterion released the killing it's the version that i own and it's one of those ones where i originally bought this i came very late to the party on the killing so let me just put that up front it's not as if i'm one of these guys that's been sitting there for years saying yeah the killing's just this great movie that everyone to see man um, I was never that guy. I I got this when Criterion released it, and I got it because Stanley Kubrick's name was on it. And as a fan of the filmmaker, um, this was one of those blank spots that I had in his filmography. I wasn't overly knowledgeable about it at all. So you know, I, I approached it with keen interest. And you can t- this is a rough movie compared to you know something like a full metal jacket or a clockwork orange because this had no budget uh, i had a studio that wasn't wasn't prepared to put his checkbook behind it but did have um a productor well a productor uh, a, a production team behind it specifically that of of mr harris um who kind of helped this movie get financed. He infamously put in about four times the amount that the film company put in because they would not uh, get a bigger named, well, essentially wouldn't get in a bigger named um, lead actor to to star in the role. Uh, this, if history is to be believed, was originally seen as potentially a vehicle um, for Frank Sinatra, who'd been originally lined up with the rival studio to star in the role and uh, Stanley Kubrick felt so passionately about this and wanted not only for the movie to happen but not to take away any potential monies from the cast that they wanted to be in this one specifically the the lead role played by Sterling Hayden but he took no fee um and what's kind of happened in this one is history has won out on this one it was critically incredibly well received um at the time you know Kubrick himself was being compared to a, like a very young Orson Welles he's only 28 when this movie comes out which once again is kind of hard to stretch your mind around how a 28 year old can already be so assured in what they're doing but the movie itself has had this kind of long-standing influence on other auteur filmmakers um, the one that's always used and noticeably and or more notably used is Quentin Tarantino because without Quentin Tarantino um you might not have the style of a movie like Reservoir Dogs or even Pulp Fiction But even on top of that, the actual kind of clown imagery of the masks that are used in the robbery, once again, eating breaking new ground here, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, that's, or Dark Knight Rises, um, as the, you know, the the Joker's henchmen wear masks that are incredibly similar to the killing, in fact, they're using a similar sort of heist, so it's had that impact down throughout cinema. I think the reason I think this movie is is so well put together is it's set up about introducing you all to the characters. Once again, in modern parlance is Reservoir Dogs. We get to spend time with each of the characters. We get a bit of their backstory, a bit of their life, and then they're brought together in this kind of "Oceans Eleven sort of styled grouping where we specifically have uh, Sterling Hayden going around hiring this guy for this part of the job, but you can't know the full job and you're going to be brought in to do this thing and that's all I'm going to tell you because this protects you. The entire movie as a whole is specifically set up for a robbery which is going to happen at a racetrack during a very popular, very busy day at the race course. Uh, These guys are going to steal the money uh, by creating a series of distractions that allow them to get away with it. One such distraction is they're going to hire a kind of Russian wrestler to have a bar fight, which is going to distract police while the robbery is happening. They're going to pay a crack shot sniperman to shoot the lead horse, you know, the one that's expected to win, to cause a distraction on the course, which will once again get the people's attention away from any wrongdoing happening. At the bank in the safe so he's got all this set out but there's one small detail that he can't control and to be honest one that in hindsight he should have controlled a little bit more is the fact that one of the guys in his team is um he stands very much in the shadow of his very domineering wife who is very materialistic, feels that her husband is a failure because uh, you know, he's not been able to provide her with the riches that he said he could when they were courting each other. And during conversations, like, let's slip about this heist, which she gets more inf- you know information on, and then she herself decides to set up a double cross with her new lover to basically rob... These uh, these uh, robbers uh, rob the robbers uh, kind of Robin Hood-esque thing here, except they ain't giving the poor the money; they're taking it all to this woman as a way to to kind of essentially steal from them at the end without necessarily the same amount of risk. And that's kind of where the plan all starts to fall down. Now, if you've never seen this movie before, I do fling it up front that there are spoilers here. I don't want to necessarily go into too much detail about. The plot here and his spoiling capacity, even though this movie is coming up on what 70 years old that hurts my brain to say that. Um, I still think there's a lot to glean from this as a spry runtime, it's just about the hour and 20 minute mark. Um, but it's really well constructed, you get plenty of time to follow the characters, you get plenty of time to hear how well thought out this plan is, and how well it's executed. To only in the last 15 minutes see it fall apart and then the bittersweet ending that you get here and the best traditions of film noir we've talked about in almost every movie we've covered here our heroes are never really fully heroes and the endings we're left with are always kind of darkly bittersweet so and this movie follows in on that as well um it you know spectacularly lost a lot of money but, like I said before, has kind of went on to do well. Like, critically it was well-received, but it's kind of found its audience now. There's a lot of people now that look back on this movie um, with modern eyes, uh, modern fans, cinephiles, filmmakers, and can appreciate it for what it is. It's a top, smart, well-put-together, incredibly well-executed debut film feature. And that's kind of where you get that, like, infamously, if we're following, once again, the lore of Hollywood, Kubrick doesn't make this movie. He doesn't move on to do Passive Glory, which is his follow-up movie, which is a much bigger affair. And that movie doesn't have Kurt Douglas in it. Kurt Douglas only does this one because he really enjoyed... The Killing. Saw the movie, thought it was great, wanted to work with Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Kubrick and Harris collaborate on three films um, after meeting each other over chess. Well, you've got this kind of heavyweight producer meeting this guy who he claimed had the keenest mind, one of the, the most intellectual filmmakers he'd ever met, and that was back then. That's back when Kubrick's, what, 25, 26? Not even properly making features. Uh, and he had the vision to put his checkbook, even though this one makes a loss, um, it would go on ultimately to allow Kubrick to build his credibility, uh, his confidence, and his reputation off the back of it. It's a really well done movie. I I like the way this is set up. I mean, it's it's aged. It's like I said before, almost seventy years old. So some of it, some of the dialogue is a bit trite you know and it's a bit very much of the era but even then it's kind of you know it's kind of talking like this listen here doll you know it's kind of even of the era it feels a bit late stage but fits within the the oeuvre the genre that it, it portrays it's got a wonderful score as well it's really well shot like it's not as confidently shot as you're going to get when you watch something like A Clockwork Orange or even uh, Doctor Strangelove but like at this point you can see that already there's a there's a degree of of swagger and confidence to what Kubrick is doing. Everything feels very meticulous and very well laid out. And yeah, it finishes with this, just this wonderful shot right at the very end. And I, I kinda love it because of that. Um I'm super curious to see what you guys make of this one. I don't think this is as common as or as obvious a pick as I maybe thought it was, having read some of the comments that have come in since then so yeah the killing is your homework assignment i'm gonna let you know how you can get involved as always we have two reviews that have come in i would really like to see those review numbers go up i'm resigning myself to the fact that it ain't gonna happen this season i think we've got two all the way through and if that's what it needs to be then ladies and gents that's what it needs to be and speaking of those reviews, let's swing in and do it, shall we? So, we have two reviews in for our previous month's movie, which was Brick. Uh, as always, we will start with a written review, which comes in from our buddy Tim Walker. And Tim says, Dear Duncan and Teapot's Collective people, I get the feeling this review for Teapot's Collective will not be a popular one. Maybe not as unpopular as my review for One Cut of the Dead, Deathgasm or cabin in the woods, but pretty close to it. The latest episode of Where to Begin with is the neo-film noir indie darling Brick, directed by the talented but a dissuasive filmmaker Rain Johnson. His debut feature, if I'm not mistaken, you're not mistaken, my good buddy Tim Walker, you're not mistaken. It's actually the first Rain Johnson movie I've seen. I passed him his Star Wars movie as soon as I heard Luke Skywalker tosses away his lightsaber. Nope, he wouldn't do that. He might as well have danced a jig or sung Proud Mary when when he was handed his old lightsaber. Fits in just as well with the character. Maybe I should give it a try after I heard about that I wanted to avoid it. Plus the nastiness that followed in the wake of the movie, both by its supporters and detractors. It didn't seem like it was for me but maybe I'll give it a go at some point. I passed on Knives Out because the humour in the trailer was beyond cringe-worthy. It's not my style at all. I've heard Looper is an interesting sci-fi movie but I haven't gotten to that one yet. I've heard of Brick but didn't know anything about it before the latest episode of Where To Begin With where Duncan said it was the next film noir. Alright, sit down and strap in because I've got numerous issues with it, probably my biggest is that the whole thing came off to me as phony and inauthentic. The dialogue, the plot, the soap opera style one dimensional characters, the ending and even how old the cast is. They all look to be in their mid to late 20s, not high school kids. I know, I know, plenty of movies do that, but it didn't help me get into it, nothing felt real. If one is going for surreal, that's one thing, and maybe Brick was and I just didn't get. Also I've got to say, I was pretty bored throughout the movie, it was far too long, could have easily shaved off 15 to 20 minutes of the runtime. Frankly, the whole movie felt like the screenwriter, or writers, had an idea to set a film noir thriller in a modern high school setting that tried a Twin Peaks-esque backstory and added some snappy dialogue to make it hip. It felt gimmicky to me. Everything about the movie felt flat for me. Literally everything. I even guessed one of the plot twists at the end, so the big, powerful ending was a dud for me nothing worked for me. This movie just wasn't for me. Sorry Duncan, and probably everyone else. I'll probably never see it again. I guess the fact I gave a negative review for a movie as well made and well thought out as Chinatown shouldn't make this review too shocking for everyone though, right? Two out of five stars for me. I wouldn't say I hated it, but it did fall flat. Maybe the next one will be more positive. I did really like strangers on a train, so who knows. Until then, I say to my fellow Teapots Collective people take care, stay safe, and steer clear of mumblecore hipsters and their drug deals. Tim, thank you very much for your review. Tim, always great to hear from you, and I hope you enjoy The Killing if you've never seen it before. Right, let's jump to our second and final review. This is the audio review, and of course it's coming from our good buddy, David Garrett Jr., who says...
1: Hello, Duncan and T-Putz Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here once again for where to begin with film noir and neo-noir films. This time around being the movie of Brick, and I'll be honest, I had never heard of this one, Duncan. The cast was quite interesting, featuring people like Lucas Haas, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Emily DeRaven, and Megan Good. Now, I'm not as versed in film noir or neo-noir as I would like to be, but this one was quite interesting to check out just because of the changes they made to these type of stories and what they're kind of doing with it. So that is where I'm going to start, is that setting this in the realm of high school, we have our you know main character of Brendan, who is our PI character that we're following. He's pulled into solving this mystery for the love of his ex-girlfriend, Emily, Now, there's a note in his locker that takes him to a payphone where she calls him in a panic, and then we find out she's been murdered. I love that we're trying to solve what happened to her as he hides her body, which is something that's a little bit problematic, and I'm not sure if I fully believe, but this also plunges him into the seedy underworld of high school drug selling, which I don't know about most listeners but for me this is not something that we really had i mean we had people doing drugs and i mean i'm assuming even people selling them but i'm not sure we had something this crazy i also did go to a country high school so there is that as well so my wife jamie also watches with me and she isn't as versed in movies like this i mean even less than i am but she was pulled in by having you know gordon levitt and d raven since her and i have been watching lost together which she had seen it and i hadn't And then, as we were watching this, I pointed out who Haas was, and she also recognized him from My Chemical Romance Welcome to Black Parade music video. So, the mystery sucked us both in, and what kind of was hard is that this movie is fast-paced. It jumps right in, and it goes at a breakneck speed. Despite that, though, I never got completely lost, and neither did she. I think Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed this, does an excellent job at giving us the information that we need while keeping this movie going we have dialogue that is taken right from classic film noir we also have the arch type characters here there's a seedy criminal with the pin which is short for kingpin emily would be our victim or a damsel in distress we have like kara and laura as femme fatales we have tugger as the muscle the brain is brendan's sidekick who does research and legwork for him and i actually read up an interesting little thing that he might not actually exist this whole time and that he might just be kind of like a split personality for brendan But we also have, like, Dode, who's another criminal, which I was kind of glad there to see him portrayed by Noah Segan, who I've seen in a lot of, like, lower independent horror films. Then we also have, like, the assistant principal Truman, who's portrayed by Richard Roundtree. I thought that was great. So I like that we have him there as being, like, the actual police from the classic and the genre. But I think Johnson's ability to adapt these classic elements into this modern tale and then mold it into high school is interesting. I do think we have some elements here that are unreal. We have teens not coming home or parents just not being more curious about what is going on. I think this moves a little bit too fast and it had my head spin. I know that can be on par with film noir while you know slowing it is slightly would work better for me personally. Regardless, the cinematography is great, as is the acting. Being able to take on these characters is on point, and I thoroughly enjoyed that, as did Jamie. I honestly would think that seeing this one a second time might actually help me, now that I kind of know everything and know how things play out, to see what I might have missed. So my rating here would be hovering between like a 3.5 and a 4, so I'll go ahead, since I did enjoy this first viewing, and go a 4 out of 5 for this movie. And The Killing, the one that is selected for next, is one that I had never seen before. I'm not even sure if I've never heard of it. I've done just some basic research to see how I can watch this, so I'm excited to check that one out. As film noir, I've seen some of the more major classics I've said before, but this one is one that has been a blind spot for me. So can't wait to hear what everybody else's thoughts are on this one here and to see where we end up going after the next movie as well thank you once again Duncan for doing these and this is David Garrett Jr and I am signing off
0: and thanks very much to David Garrett Jr for submitting in his review always great to hear from you my friend right ladies and gents that's your reviews in and you have more review work to do I want your reviews in for the killing now we are doing pretty well at the moment, so let's let's try and keep the good times a rolling. Um, we need your review in for the killing no later than Wednesday the thirteenth of July. The episode will drop on Sunday the seventeenth, but Wednesday the thirteenth of July, your review of the killing. Like I say, the episode will drop. On Sunday the seventeenth, and on Sunday the seventeenth, we move to once again one of my all-time faves. Uh, this movie I was marginally obsessed with for for the longest time. It's once again a film debut. It's surprising that they'll. Well, this is the third movie in a row, which you know marks the the kind of feature led debut movie of a director who would go on to have an incredible career um we kind of mentioned them earlier on as well when we were talking about the batman movies we're turning our attention to the year 2000 for this neo-noir gem uh, that uses um a non-linear time structure to convey its plot points and mystery ladies and gents we are covering memento by the filmmaker Christopher Nolan Uh, expect me to geek out hard on my review when it drops on the 17th of July because like I said before this is a movie I absolutely adore Um, I am super curious to see if this is a first time watch I can't believe it is this one very much like I'm even like Chinatown, I just feel like this is a like, known quantity and everyone's seen it. So yeah, Memento will be the next movie, the next stop we'll be doing, this one covering the neo-noir before we jump back in time for another old stalwart classic pillar of the film noir genre ladies and gents let me thank you once again for checking out this episode of where to begin with i am thoroughly enjoying this season because it give me a great opportunity to watch movies that i love so this is like a, a tea well this is one of these kind of these sit down with a cup of tea uh just pure good episodes um of the season which is a pure good season where i get to just sit down and enjoy everything that's happening whilst at the same time feeling like that tea should have a of whiskey in it just to make it a little bit more irish until i speak to you next month with your reviews of the killing and my review of memento please take care of yourselves out there and uh, from where to begin with we'll chat to you next month